You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mottes. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mottes from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blogging community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. You can catch all the interviews, post-game interviews, from Game 1 um, on our YouTube page. you also find a bunch of our videos, um, you know, just X's no stuff that we'll be doing, especially during these the playoffs. Um, this episode of the show is going to be on the Game 1 loss. The Nuggets now down 0-1 in a series. Brutal loss. I think, I think in some ways, you know, a really discouraging loss. In some ways, you can look at it and say, well, I don't want to say a fluke, but you could say an unlucky one, I guess. Um, and there's a lot of statistics to kind of back up why it was unlucky. But I think that both things can kind of be true at the same time. This Nuggets team um, has shot the ball poorly for quite a while. Tonight, maybe the worst they've ever shot the ball. So there's a little bit of the things that have been ailing them for since the All-Star break were especially bad in this one. So maybe it's just a trend that, um, you know, the continuation of a trend that had already started. But at the same time, I thought there was a lot of things that happened in this game that, that you say, you know, that's what you wanted. If, if you kind of said this was San Antonio's game plan, what was Denver going to do? They got a lot of the looks that they wanted. They did a lot of the things that they wanted. They defended incredibly well, especially that starting unit. Um, guys like Gary Harris played well. We're going to talk about all, all of that. Um, but the final and the only thing that matters is that the Denver Nuggets walked away with a loss and they gave up home court advantage. What they worked so hard for, 82 games, to gain home court advantage in just 48 minutes, they coughed that up. And now they're going to have to not only win their home games, but now they're going to have to go into a really difficult place to play in San Antonio and try to find a win. But we're going to share, I'm, I'm going to share all of my notes on this one. We're going to have a lot of shows this week. Monday through Friday, of course, as usual, but even on the weekends, you know, especially in the playoffs, not going to allow a game to go by without um, one of these Game Notes artic- uh, podcasts because these are my favorite ones to do. I like breaking down the, the game and, and kind of uh, giving giving all the details and the big picture, little picture stuff um, that, I, that I took away from this game. So all three segments today, segment one, two, and three, all going to be about um, – my notebook from this game, from from both the the original watch and the rewatch, and then in tomorrow's show, I'm gonna bring a guest on. We're gonna talk more big picture, more stuff about you know, can the Nuggets come back from this? I'll obviously talk briefly about that today, but um, we'll go more into depth about what this loss means in in shows for Monday and Tuesday, and some great guests lined up this week that I'm really excited about. I think the analysis is gonna be really top notch throughout the week um, and hopefully it's top-notch talking about at least a one uh, oh, a couple of wins so Denver can kind of regain some momentum I'm gonna start though I don't want to just talk about the X's and O's of this game I the atmosphere it has been I had not been to a, a, a playoff game since nine, uh, since 2007 not 19 geez that would have been that would have been really going back since 2007 ironic enough an overtime loss to the San Antonio Spurs um, but that that's how long it had been since I'd been there. So the atmosphere tonight, for me just as a fan, I thought was it, it was really fun to be there. And there were moments in this game, as frustrating as it was to lose, there were moments in this game where you just felt like, oh, man, this is what sports are all about. We're all 17,000 people in here all kind of experiencing the exact same emotion, and you could just kind of feel it. It was, it was really cool. But I want to start by saying I thought the Denver Nuggets did a really good job. Uh, the Denver Nuggets organization did a really good job with their introductions 
scenes and, and just sort of the theatrics of getting this game started. First of all, heard great things about the um, uh, tailgate. A lot of people had a lot of fun with that. They did the t-shirts. I know there was a lot of talk about whether the Nuggets were going to be cheap like they were in 2013 and only go with a towel. Um, they went with the t-shirts this time, but you know what? Shame on the crowd for not wearing them. It was wild that nobody would put on their t-shirt. You watch the crowd. One of the, the reason you do t-shirts is you want the crowd to look menacing, especially on TV. But when you look up in the stands and you see everybody in the exact same shirt, it's it, it, it kind of feels like a college atmosphere, like Cameron Indoor Stadium with the Cameron Crazies. Um, tonight, nobody, for whatever reason, I'd say maybe less than half of the people wore their shirt. Shame on you. Shame on you, city of Denver. What, what was that about? The lights, they had those cool light things that I, when I saw the tweet, I thought, I don't know. I don't know about this. It actually turned out to be really cool. as a wristband that was on some kind of like, um, remote control that, that the, uh, production crew had control over and the lights would go off. And during the anthem, they made the flag and, um, they just did different things with it. I thought it was really cool. It set the tone for a great night, and, and that's what you want. That's why you do these sort of gimmicky things um, is you want to set the tone for something special. And I thought at the tip-off of this game, the crowd was excited. The atmosphere was just beautiful, and it was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, the Spurs did a great job of taking – of sort of – managing that and then kind of killing the momentum for the crowd. And that was to their credit that when you're on the road, that's one of the things you have to do. Denver in just a couple of days is going to be in a very tough environment in San Antonio. And that first quarter, a large part of it is how do you take the crowd out? You don't give them the things to be excited about and you kind of, you wear them out so that they're no longer hooting and hollering. Um, but let's start with this game. The Nuggets, so I talk about that great atmosphere, and you wonder, how is Denver going to come out in this one? Well, Jamal Murray gets the ball in the first seconds of the game, runs down, sprints down court to the three-point line, and jacks up a really, really bad transition three. And I thought, oh, my God. What on it? Like, you knew the... If you were setting odds for which player was going to jack up a crazy shot to open the game, you'd probably say Will Barton, number one, most likely. Jamal Murray, number two. Well, first, Jamal Murray surprises us all with that crazy transition three, which was a bad shot, but, you know, whatever. He's filling it. He hits it. The crowd just goes wild, and, and you have all that momentum to start. But I, I still – the type of basketball I love – <laughs> that there's not a lot of room for shots like that. Will Barton, not to be outdone. So those were the two guys. Jamal Murray takes a, tra a transition three, um, one on four. And then Will Barton next play kind of goes one on one in transition and gets a running floater that he misses. So the first two possessions of the Nuggets game, there's all this energy in the building. In the first two possessions, Denver took, I would say, like C-minus shots, um, and, and it kind of sucked. Once they finally got the ball to Jokic on the third possession, um, things started going well. And, and the, the rest of the first quarter, not the rest of the first quarter, but for most of that first quarter, I thought they really got the ball popping and they were finding the right guys. Um, Jokic with that quick layup right to start, the uh, right to start there. Um, and, you know, things were starting to get settled down. It was clear from the start what San Antonio's game plan was, and I wrote about this on denverstiff.com. It wasn't a surprise to me. I can't imagine it was a surprise to the Denver Nuggets. They watched the same games in the regular season that I do, so you knew what San Antonio's game plan was. They were going to try to limit Jokic, and they were going to try to say, Jokic is such an all-around player. He's a scorer and a facilitator. Well, let's try to make him one even if it makes him an extra facilitator, let's make him a super facilitator without a score. And of course, I'm going to talk a lot more about this. Don't uh, I'm not going to gloss over it right now, even uh, or, or for the whole show. Even though right now I'm going to kind of move quickly from it. 
but that was the game plan, and you kind of knew that going in, so you you knew that Denver, uh, or you assumed Denver would be prepared for how they were going to handle that. Jokic certainly seemed like he was mentally prepared for that. Um, Patty Mills checked into the game two minutes into the game. This is classic Popovich. You know, oh, who's our starters? This is our starters, but we're going to bring in a guy almost immediately uh, and just kind of throw things off, and Patty Mills, really a different look than Derek White, and you bring him in right away, and it, it, I think it's kind of a smart move to just kind of keep a team on their heels. Uh, and so I kind of tip my hat to that one. And one of the things Patty Mills does, uh, he's a hustle guy. He's a tiny guy. I've talked about this all the time. Tiny guys always get the benefit of a doubt from the officials. Um, and Mil- Mills in there, it was clear that one of the game plans for the Spurs was to try to take Jokic out of the game with foul trouble. Uh, on the offensive end, they would attack him, and they were trying to like run into him and, and get these plays. And then Patty Mills, in the first quarter alone, I think he hit the deck three or four times, all off of pretending to be hit by Jokic on screens. And I have to give the officiating crew an enormous amount of credit. They did not fall for it, not even once. It seemed like they were very aware of what San Antonio was trying to do, and um, it's tough. In the regular season, you see a guy run into a screen, fall down, and the officials almost always call it, and then you see the replay, and you're like, oh, man, he really sold that one, or, or you know, nothing happened. He just he just tricked the official. Well, the officials get a lot of credit because they did not fall for it, but it's clear that this is one of the game plans, and I think if you watch tonight's game, it's a smart game plan. This series, when Jokic is not on the court is a dangerous one for the Nuggets. When he's on the court, I I feel very confident with what Denver can do. But when he is off it, um, Denver's in trouble. So if he gets into foul trouble at any point in this series, that's a game that I think Denver's odds of winning go down dramatically with every minute that he he is forced to be on the bench. Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another 100 meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. I thought Will Barton's defense in this game was phenomenal. Maybe the best I've ever seen him play start to finish defensively. Um, did a great job of challenging from from behind on pick and rolls, which is one of the things, you know, Jamal Murray and, and Gary Harris, I've talked about this a lot, but they're just not that long. They don't have that long of a reach. They're not... Um, nimble around screens and, th- and and Gary Harris really good defensively it's just he's limited sometimes by his physical tools Murray you know not as great defensively he has a little bit more length but Will Barton's really long a little bit taller than both of them uh, longer reach and he did a great job of using that to his advantage he doesn't always do this I, I think Barton's a bad defender for it most of the time in the regular season this isn't like a strength of his and when you see him defend nights like tonight you think man maybe he just has a whole nother gear in him that he just doesn't tap into very often but tonight I thought he did a great job 
And and early on, he had a couple, I think, two back-to-back challenges from behind on pick-and-rolls that disrupted the shot. One got a block and one got, one disrupted the shot. Um, Denver needs that. That's so important for a Nikola Jokic team. And I don't know that, that Barton's long-term the guy to do this. I think you actually could probably use even more length from the small forward position, especially with how much the small forward position is just growing in the NBA. Um, those types of players are getting longer and taller and more, more nimble. But that's what you need, and that's one of the things that makes – Denver so tough in the pick and roll. If you don't have an elite rim protector, and Jokic, I think a much better defender. Of course, if you listen to the show, you know that I think a much better defender, and he was great tonight defensively. He's a much better defender than he gets credit for. But in the pick and roll, if you don't have that that rim deterrent, then you have to have elite on ball and recovery guys around the screens. And tonight I thought Barton did a very good job of that. The Nuggets weren't getting it to Jokic consistently early on. And actually throughout this game, um, the first, the first couple of minutes kind of set the tone, and San Antonio was trying. This was their game plan. They wanted to discourage Denver from going, and not only did they want to discourage Denver from going to Jokic, they wanted to encourage guys from, you know, taking taking seams that they saw and saying, "Oh, I, I don't have to go to Jokic because I have an angle here." So, part of this, and I hope in the, in when Denver goes to the film, I hope that all of the players sort of realize there are things San Antonio is trying to sucker. Denver into doing one of those is to take an enormous amount of like not what I call not rhythm threes Malone calls these paint threes when the ball goes into the paint and gets kicked out for the three Denver had a lot of good quote-unquote open looks tonight but there weren't a lot of kickout threes not a lot of paint threes not a lot of rhythm ones um and a lot of that had to do with how San Antonio was defending they were trying to encourage Denver to do that or, or you could even say trick Denver into do that and Denver I thought took the bait more often than not um Denver, I thought, defensively focused really on Barton, Harris, Jokic, even Millsap. The only guy that wasn't was Jamal Murray. The first three-pointer of the game, Bryn Forbes. And Bryn Forbes, by the way, if there was like – he's high on the list of guys you don't want to get comfortable and get going. Well, he gets a wide-open three early on in this game, and it was just because Jamal Murray stopped paying attention. Um, Bryn Forbes goes three for four. He has 15 points. So a game as close as this one was, you can start to say, okay – what if Bryn Forbes is, you know, two for three, not three for four? What if you just take away one of those? Well, Denver probably wins. What if he's one for four? What if he's, you know, one for two? You just don't give him enough opportunities. Well, Jamal Murray, Murray, one of the first plays of this game, he just he he turns his back on his defender and he just kind of watches the play. And Bryn Forbes gets a wide open three, his first shot of the game. And you know how shooters are. A lot of times when they get an open, clean look early on, a lot of times that goes a long way for their confidence. Um, Bertans. Checking into the game against the Jokic Plumley lineup is going to be interesting. I I talked about this a little bit briefly, and I, I even wrote about it on DenverStiffs.com. This is a bad matchup for Denver, and I was actually worried that um, Greg Popovich might even go to this lineup sooner. The way he used Mills and brought Mills in, I thought maybe he would go to Bertans like two minutes into this game to try to like just throw Denver off. Well, here's what's tough about Bertans. He's a three-point shooter. Mason Plumlee's value when he's playing alongside Nikola Jokic is that he is that backside guy. He plays like Millsap. He's the backside rotation guy. Well, if you give him a three-point shooter who's capable of shooting from several feet behind the three-point line, well, now your help side guy has another like core responsibility closing out on on a, a tall good three-point shooter and so I don't expect those minutes to be very successful I actually don't know if Plumlee has a major role in this series he was bad tonight I thought and he's going to be um 
I think the Spurs can make him a liability more often than not. Um, the Spurs scored 14 points on 10 possessions when Bertans was on the court and Jokic and Plumlee were. That's that's pretty good. You know, that's that's certainly above average. Now it's a tiny sample size, but they were able to get some good looks and some good threes, and I think that's going to be consistent. So the Nuggets are going to have to figure out how they're going to counter that. And here's one of the things about the regular season. I was thinking about this tonight. I thought, ooh, you, maybe they're going to have to go to like uh, Trey Lyles or Wancho or some other player. But then I thought, you know, Denver hasn't done that. They they haven't played either of those guys for weeks. Maybe over. Maybe Maybe over a month that going to them now not only would I think it send a weird signal to your team but it, it, it probably just wouldn't be successful anyway and maybe it's awfully early to be saying this but maybe that's a failure of of the season was not you know molding some of these alternative lineups that Denver might need to pull out of their back pocket at, at moments like this um, but the Spurs took the, the the crowd out of it. This was not a good crowd tonight, I didn't think. Um, early on, and maybe this is the Spurs' credit for making the game such a slugfest, such a slow game. There was zero, Denver had zero fast break points tonight. Um, you know, so like the fast break dunk, the breakaway dunk, these are plays that get the crowd going. Denver had zero. San Antonio had two. So this was a game that um, just didn't feature a ton of like, get the crowd pumped up type moments. And that's great on San Antonio. They did a good job of, of sort of game planning for that. Malik Beasley, I've talked all year about how he gets lost on screens. In playoff series where these plays matter even more, it's even more pronounced. And it happened tonight. He just, he, he dies on screens. There was, I think, two different um, times coming out of a timeout with Beasley. Beasley's guy ran off of double stagger screens and got wide open. And I would not be surprised if Greg Popovich sort of, and, and his, his staff, has scouted this as a major weakness for Beasley, and so they took advantage of it by saying, you know what, every time we have a chance to run a sideline out of bounds with Beasley on the court, we're running him through multiple screens because we know we can create an easy advantage that way. So, um, but, but I've talked about it all year, and I don't just say this because it's, you know, I like d digging on the guy. I actually really like Beasley. He has, his upside is incredible, but it's not incredible if he continues to be this, this poor of a defender off of screens. But the bench and, and as a whole was actually really bad defensively tonight. Um, the defensive rating 125 or higher for each of the players, and when they were out there, that's when the Spurs really made their hay and when we really went on the run. You look at just the regular plus minuses. Um, bench guys: Monte Morris minus 11, Plumley minus seven, um, Beasley and Craig only minus four, minus five, so a little bit closer. But your starters all neutral players. Your bench is the one that gave up some of these big runs. Um, and then I talk about Plummy struggled. I think he tried to do a little bit too much. He hijacked. There was one possession in that second quarter where he kind of hijacked it, ran, told Millsap to come screen for him like he was the point guard, didn't get anything out of it, and then just like threw a grenade to Jamal Murray. So um, I don't, I don't, Plumley's going to be an interesting one to watch in this series. I don't know if this series is for him. I talked about Jokic briefly. His defense was so good and his on ball defense against Aldridge. I, I, I think Jokic is a fantastic defender for like 90% of like defensive tools. He's really bad in spread pick and roll, and that's the only thing people nationally seem to, you know, his reputation is all about that. And he really is bad at that. Like, it's a really, if you were just to score one through 10, all the different defensive um, tools you can have, Jokic would score like sevens, eights, nines in most of them. He might score like a zero or a one on spread pick and roll, so that it, it kind of it's the um, the sewage in the punch bowl, so to speak, on his defense, and it's the only thing people notice. But tonight, 
Spurs don't run a ton of pick and roll. Aldridge, a great scorer. Jokic shut him down um, one-on-one. It wasn't like the other way where they were sending double-triple teams. They did some doubling, and they would put, put some extra pressure. But Jokic, a lot of times, just one-on-one defensively, and he did a great job. He had some great shows in the pick, you know, on, on some of the pick-and-roll action, and just as a help-side defender, he got his hand in the passing lanes. I, I thought defensively tonight, this was one of the better games we've seen from Jokic, um, just engaged and active and effective. Spurs started hitting some tough shots in that second quarter. The second quarter is where things really um, started to get ugly for Denver, and some of this was just, man, the Spurs' shot-making in this game was was ridiculous. The Spurs, Matt Moore shared a stat on Twitter today. Um, the Spurs, they're, uh, there's, there's a metric where you take just what a player is expected to shoot from each zone, so you just kind of look at what their average is and say, um, you know, Jamal Murray from this zone, he shoots that. When he's uncontested, he shoots this. Contested, assisted, he shoots this. Whatever. From every spot. The Spurs outperformed their effective field goal percentage today by 6.3 percentage points, which is enormous. They shot, in, in other words, they shot 6% better than expected based on their uh, uh, on the shot profile that they had. That's really big. It was the biggest of any of the eight teams that played today in the playoffs. Um, Denver shot 4% below uh, what they were expected. So Denver just missed a bunch of shots you would expect them to make. Spurs made a ton of shots you would you would expect them to miss, and that's not necessarily an excuse because you have to find a way. And Denver, the, one of the storylines here is you can maybe if you're trying to be optimistic, you could say you're impressed that Denver was even in position to win when they shot six for twenty eight from three, and when the Spurs were just making so many of those tough shots, um, contested shots off of good defense. Um, but that's the lot you got. You still got to find a way to win these ones. Jokic picked up his second foul in the quarter, and like I said, the Spurs were trying to get fouls a- after the half when Jokic got out of there with only two I think they kind of backed off that a little bit but Jokic picked up his second foul and that was nervous time for for me thinking if he picks up a third Denver's going to lose this game out of the timeout Nuggets drop a play for Jokic but Millsap threw away the entry pass so Jokic not you know he was super effective as a passer nine assists in the first half alone um, but he wasn't finding a shot in large part because they were they were doubling him so quick there are things that the Nuggets can do here um, and that Jokic can do. First of all, he had maybe six or seven opportunities to be more aggressive, I thought, mostly in that third quarter, um, but a little bit in the fourth as well that he passed up. And those are on him. I hope that when he goes to film study and I hope the coaching staff is saying, hey, these are the ones you – I know you're reading the court well. I like that you're not trying to force things, but you can't assume – that you don't have a shot sometimes. I think what happened was they were doubling so many times that Jokic just assumed the double was coming, and then sometimes it didn't, and he hesitated and then just pulled the ball out and was just not aggressive enough. There was probably, in my opinion, six or seven times in this game, almost all in the second half, where he could have been more aggressive looking for his shot, and the Nuggets need him to. So um, the I thought this game was actually pretty good from Jokic overall, but they needed it to be great, and what would have made it great is if he would have just been a little bit more aggressive in the right moment. Moments, and he wasn't. But in that first half, you know, the Spurs were doing a great job of trying to deny him the ball. And when he got the ball, just sending a quick, hard double. It wasn't, there's a couple different types of double teams. Some, you know, a soft double team, a guy can try to go through, power through, or whatever. 
the hard double, they're doing everything they can to say, you're not shooting this. We're, we're fully, fully committing to you, and we're just going to trust our backline defense to rotate, and we're going to trust you guys to miss shots. Well, I thought Jokic did a good job of, of passing out of that, not forcing him in the first half, but there was a few things that the Nuggets can do to try to get him the ball. Namely, he needs to get the ball closer to the rim. And some of this is on Jokic. You know, he's bad at holding post position on the block. This is a lot of times why he gets pushed so far out of the block. But he needs to get a little bit better about, and, and the team can do a little bit better about disguising some of their actions, maybe creating a few new counters, and then also just maybe even a few new plays in the playbook to get him the ball on the in deep post position so he just has to turn and go up. Um, but it looked like that's what they were trying to do in the second quarter when they ran this ATO, but Paul Millsap, just a really lazy pass that got stolen. And those are the type of plays that are momentum killers because you have a timeout and you say, okay, we need to get Jokic a shot here. You drop a play specifically for that and you throw it away. Well, now you blew the one thing you called a timeout for. You called the timeout to get Jokic going. You blew that opportunity. So that I thought that was a, a really, really tough one. Nuggets fell down 12 points in that quarter and it was starting to get ugly. But <coughs> Gary Harris got going in the second. This was a good, very good game from Gary and... and Maybe the brightest silver lining, more so than just the fact that Denver missed so many shots and maybe they'll make those, was that Gary Harris got going. Another thing that happened here, you know, when the Spurs... Jokic is so much of the playmaker, and he, he really is the only true sort of facilitator and creator on the team other than Monte Morris, but... Denver doesn't have a lot of dribble penetration, guys. Jamal Murray is just doesn't have – he's not very quick and explosive, and he can't get by his guy. He's a great shot maker, but he's not a great dribble penetration guy. Um, Gary Harris is, and at the beginning of the year when he was healthy, he was really good at this. Will Barton, same thing. Those are the two guys on the Nuggets roster that have this talent. Um, but unfortunately, both of them with injuries and with lower body injuries uh, or injuries that uh, uh, affect their explosiveness, I think it's just made them a step slow. Well, Gary Harris – we saw some signs of life over the final three games where I thought he was finishing above the rim, getting to the rim, getting into the paint a little bit more. Tonight, maybe it was the adrenaline. Maybe it was just he knew what the team needed. But he he put his head down and he got to the basket a lot tonight. And for Denver, that's a great sign. Gary Harris was the second, maybe the most aggressive player on the Nuggets roster tonight. And that I don't know if I could have said that in a game when everybody was active and playing since December since I don't know November whenever it was that Gary Harris got hurt for the first time this season so it's been several months if nothing else it's a good sign to see that he was able to get into the paint and and hopefully that continues throughout the playoffs however long that lasts for Denver I thought Will Barton in the second quarter was also great he had a lot of fight in him but um it's like his defense ignites him and I've said this for a on the last show, kind of coming into here, I talked about it as the key for him in the playoffs. He hasn't been good offensively, but you have to find other ways to contribute. And tonight, he was so good defensively that I felt like it almost got him going. It got him into a rhythm offensively. Now, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well, rebounded a bunch of his makes, but he was getting to the basket and getting to the rim. And in the second quarter in particular, he was getting to his spots. His three-point shot wasn't falling as it hasn't fallen all year. But, you know, there was one funny play in the second quarter. We had a wide open three. The crowd got excited. He dribbled to the free throw line. The crowd all moaned, pulled up and hit the three, and the crowd got excited again. So um, I, I thought it was a kind of a good sign. As much as that mid-range shot's not a great one, Will Barton has missed threes consistently enough that he misses two or three to start the game. You might as well try to get into that mid-range zone and try to knock those ones down because um, 
I think there's a, a bunch of nuggets that maybe could have used a little bit more of that, to be honest. Um, but he and he and Gary Harris in the second quarter kept Denver alive. If it weren't for both of those guys, this would have been a 15-20 point game going into the half. They they both stepped up big time there, and it was just a wild quarter. Nuggets missed everything. Spurs made everything, and it, that quarter at least, not the whole game, but that quarter at least, I think that is the the biggest narrative from it. Second half. Took a couple minutes for the Nuggets to get going, but finally, about the two minutes into the quarter, um, huge momentum swing for the Nuggets. Will Barton was in the zone. Um, I think Jamal Murray might have had a bucket there, and Denver pulls, I think, within three almost immediately, and you think, yeah, it was pulled within three, um, and you think, okay, here we go. Denver's, Denver's starting to get rolling. From that point on, Denver pulls within three. There was at least a dozen different moments when Denver was within one possession of taking the lead, and they never got it. It might have been more than a dozen, honestly. It might have been 15 or 16 times where Denver pulled within one shot with the ball, and they just never could get anything out of it. A couple turnovers, a lot of missed threes. They could just not get over the hump. Um, Jokic started passing up. Um, the, I, I thought Jokic's shot selection in the first half was good. That he took the Spurs were hard doubling him, and he didn't. I didn't think there was a single play where he passed up where he should have shot. That wasn't true in the third quarter, and it started almost right away. And there was a funny moment. Well, not that funny painful moment when the entire crowd groaned. Jokic catches the ball deep in the middle of the paint with his back to the basket, no helpers in sight, and he just kind of dribbles it out and the entire crowd groaned, let out an audible like, what the heck are you doing? you got to shoot. I've talked about Jokic's emotional slumps. I'm, you guys know this. I'm Jokic's biggest fan, biggest believer in his skill set. But there are moments where, for whatever reason, he's just not feeling it. He's got to get over it. He's he has to figure out how to become more mentally tough and mentally assertive in these moments. And I thought in that third quarter he was not those things. Now he didn't play bad. He made some great passes. He did the, you know some different things. But he had to score in that quarter. And for whatever reason he just he didn't seem to think that. And even after the game, I asked him specifically about. He knew he was going to get asked about this. He still was upset and rolled his eyes. You can see the video on on Denver Stiffs uh, on Denver Stiffs's YouTube page. Um, but he said no. I, what do you, he said I'm not going to force shots if what they're trying to do is is leave guys open. I'm going to make the right play. But you know, I just I just disagree with that. And again, it was only five or six possessions total in the second half, in my opinion. It wasn't a ton, but there were a handful of them that that he could have taken more advantage of by by going harder to the basket. Some of these plays he passed up. By the way, you could say, well, it's a B minus shot opportunity. He's the number one guy in Denver. wasn't scoring, so they needed somebody. They had 17 points in the third quarter. Um, so it wasn't working. But some of these he would dribble out and Denver would get a worse shot. So sometimes film study, you could say, look, man, there's certain moments where I know it's not a great shot, but you have to take it because the team is looking for you. Um, so so Denver had a couple bad missed threes. They had Jokic passing up shots, and they just couldn't get over the hump. Defense was great. And then Derek White dunked on Millsap so hard that he th- flew into the sun. It was such a huge letdown. The crowd, you could hear the air going out of the building for this play. It was incredible. First of all, it was a beautiful dunk, uh, impressive dunk. But the whole crowd was just like, you got to be kidding me. Denver, there was Denver's chance to kind of take the lead. Um, Nuggets took way too many threes in the third, as I mentioned. I think in quarters one, two, and four, Denver probably took a few too many threes, especially not getting into the paint. But in that third quarter, Denver just settled so much for, I mean, C-minus three-point attempts, uh, transition ones, one for nine in the quarter. Um, and a lot of those were like, you know, you're shooting so poor from three, 
don't take a transition three. Like the, 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 there's certain ones you can cut out, and the worst, the bottom of the barrel ones are the ones you could. Jamal Murray had one. Uh, Will Barton, I think, had two. It, it, actually, let me see here. I have the I have the numbers in front of me. Yeah, um, Will Barton one for two in the quarter, so he only had one of the Jamal Murray zero oh for two. There was just some really really ugly ones from uh, from Denver's guards. Jokic's timing. Talk about him kicking out. Jokic's timing on some of these kickouts was so incredible. Um, you missed the forest for the trees because, because like I said, those five or six possessions, you really wanted him to shoot and be more aggressive. But the way he was baiting guys into the double team and kicking out and the way he was timing some of these kickout passes, you got to go back and watch it because it was absolutely incredible. Um, luring Patty Mills right into the spot he wanted him before throwing the ball right over his head, close enough to give him a haircut. It was incredible. Um, Jokic's skill level is just off the charts. Um Beasley narrowly killed Bertans, which would have, I think, even the score for the, for the Derek White one. In fact, I think Beasley thought he made that one. It woke the crowd up. Denver, I, I talk about Denver, that crowd was waiting for a big moment like that just to go crazy. That one woke him up, and it wasn't even a make. Um, so, so you can imagine if he would have thrown that one down. Nuggets rallied, cut it to four, um, held sport, the Spurs to 14 in the third, and again, put themselves in position to make a run in the fourth quarter. To start the fourth quarter... Torrey Craig gets two fouls, um, and the Nuggets as a team get three fouls in the first minute of the fourth. This is a killer. I talked about it's been a while since I've talked about this. This was a talking point earlier in the season, but and, and especially with Mason Plumlee and Torrey Craig, as good as those guys are defensively and they try so hard and they effort, um, giving fouls early in a quarter so that a team is is you know getting into the bonus that just kills you. It absolutely kills you, and it kills a team. And um, some of these fouls that they get are just really dumb ones. I know it's it comes from hustle, it comes from a good place, but you you have to be smart as well. Fortunately, it didn't matter in this one, as the Spurs didn't. I don't think get into the bonus until super late. But Harris, Gary Harris, the only player on the Nuggets, I guess Will Barton a little bit here, but Gary Harris just started putting his head down and going to the rim hard, and he looked like he had more explosiveness and strength and power than we've seen recently. And he even, and, and fearlessness, because I think one of the things when you're hurt is you're afraid to take contact, because, uh, you know, that injury is fresh on your mind. He took, he went to the rim hard and laid himself out, got, got fouled hard and landed hard. And got up, and it was just one of those plays where you think, man, Gary Harris, what a tough dude, what a gamer. Had to tip your hat to him. Um, I thought Bar- I talked about Barton's defense on DeRozan, which was fantastic. He did a better job, I think by far, on DeRozan than Torrey Craig did, which is not something I expected. I talked about in the last show, the preview show, I talked about how I thought Torrey Craig might steal a lot of Will Barton's minutes for that very reason, for the defensive reason. But DeRozan was 2 for 11 when Barton was on the court with four turnovers, and Barton blocked his shot twice. Um, and I think those block shots actually have a lot to do with with DeMar DeRozan. He's so good at that shot fake, and he's so good at um, sort of getting to his spots on the court that if you just try to play positional defense and put a hand up like Gary Harris did, you know, he's comfortable at hitting that little fallaway midrange. Uh, same thing with Torrey Craig. But Barton, I think, got in his head a little bit with, you know, some of the steals. He, he tipped the ball off his shoe one time and the ball went out of bounds. He blocked his shot a couple times. I think he got in his head and DeRozan was two for 11. So again, I thought this was a very good game from Barton. There's a reason that Jamal Murray was a plus five. Uh, and then you have Jokic as a zero and Barton as a zero. Everybody else in the negative. Um, Barton's defense tonight, especially on their key score from the perimeter was really, really good. Um, Gary Harris just caught fire in that fourth quarter. Um, he is such a gamer. I, I think Gary Harris might be back. 
I, and this would be huge for Denver if they can survive the series and get onto the next round. But Gary Harris, three for four, 11 points in that quarter, one, one, one three-pointer and another long two. Um, he just looked like he was going to save the day. There were times early on in the season when Gary did this. He was the best player and the best scorer in the fourth quarter. Tonight, I thought he was the best player in the fourth quarter, um, especially on the Nuggets roster. So, um Silver lining. I know it's it's not a great silver lining because because Denver lost and that that overwhelms everything. But it's silver lining. Gary Harris looked like he was back, and you kind of forget how great he can be. Um, they pull within one. The crowd's going crazy, and then of course the Spurs go on a quick five zero run. This is just what they do. Bertans nails a three. I think DeRozan gets that triple pump fake fate fall away on Gary, um, and Denver just couldn't get over the hop, the hop. Patty Mills hit some big shots. It was San Antonio's role players that made all the big shots tonight. Britton Forbes, Patty Mills, Derek White. Uh, it wasn't the big guns. It was those guys in Denver. Unfortunately, wasn't getting that from their their um, role players. Uh, Murray Steele. The game was just about over. I think there's like a minute and something left. Denver's down six. Jamal Murray takes a, a bad shot, misses. But he, does, he doesn't quit on the play. He goes in and rips the ball out of Rudy Gay's hands. Then gets an and one. That was pure will. That was that was just Jamal Murray refusing to lose in that moment, and it was great. Um, the Nuggets get a timeout with 13 seconds left, and I have to take a moment to pause here because we talk about playoffs, and you know the thing about sports, the thrill of victory wouldn't wouldn't mean anything if there wasn't the agony of defeat. These things balance each other out. You wouldn't feel great to win if it didn't feel so terrible to lose. And with 13 seconds left and a timeout, and the Denver and the Pepsi Center crowd allowed to kind of sit there for two minutes with their thoughts and their nervousness, I gotta say, it was an incredible moment. It was almost a spiritual moment being at Pepsi Center and seeing 17,000 people all feeling the exact same emotion. I mean, think about that. I know, I know, it's it sucks because Denver kind of Denver blew it, and I'll get to that in a second. But what an incredible moment just to be there at Pepsi Center and feel that buzz of everybody going like Denver's on a run. They kind of had some momentum. You kind of felt like they were going to pull it off, but you didn't know, and you were so nervous. Just just a really cool moment to be a part of. And man, playoff basketball is fun to attend. Worth the price of admission. I I, I think no, no doubt about it. Denver gets a. Uh, runs so the play call pretty simple flatten out in the corners um put Millsap in the dunker and you're just going to run one five pick and roll Murray coming off of a screen from Jokic if it doesn't work you throw the ball back to Jokic and Jokic runs to the backside and gets a DHO with Gary Harris so you kind of have a option one two and three a b and c well option one worked perfectly Aldridge deep into the paint um he's sagging off kind of conceding that mid-range pull up uh Jokic gets a good screen, so so Murray has a wide open, and I mean wide open, elbow jumper. You want your best shooter and your best perimeter score, and you're certainly your best pull up jump shooter getting a wide open shot. That's what he got. He just he just strong armed it, went too far, um, and and he missed it. They go down and scored. You know Denver's out of timeout, so at that point Denver's odds of winning are pretty low. But then Derek White rips Jamal Murray in the backcourt. And this is one of the things Murray's going to have to work on. I've talked about it a lot, and the Spurs did this all game where they would put pressure on him. Usually it was Patty Mills, full-court pressure. Murray's handle's not that strong. And um, not that this was the reason they lost because they were already down three and it would have sort of taken a miracle for Murray to get a point anyway. But the fact that he gets ripped as often as he does in the backcourt when he faces pressure is a real problem and something he's going to have to correct in order to take his game to the next level. So that was the game. It was a deflating. 
deflating loss for the Nuggets. It was an impressive win for Derek White and for, and for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, but you know what? It's not over for Denver. Denver still has an opportunity. And like I said, I'm going to talk about this more in the coming days. To me, I think there is – I thought Denver's odds of winning this series were probably around 70%. Now that they lose game one, I think those odds drop to like 50%. It's not, it's not that it's not doable, I don't, but I also don't think the sky is falling. This is a game that Denver can hopefully learn from. The poor shooting I don't think will continue for, for however many games this series goes. But at the same time, Denver shot bad from the since the All-Star break. Denver has shot, I think, 34%. League average is like 35 36 34% since the All-Star break, so they've been bad. Um, but they shot, what, 14% from the three-point line tonight? So I know a lot of I've, – I've seen a lot of comments of, like, you shouldn't be surprised by this. Denver's been shooting poorly. There's a difference between shooting 30% from the field and shooting 15%. So um, – Tonight was an especially bad three-point shooting uh, night from Denver, and they still were in position to almost to almost grab this game. I know there's no moral victories, but at least it wasn't one of those things where Denver played great and they didn't win. This was a game where Denver just did not did, did not do well. There's adjustments to be made. We're going to talk about those in the coming days, but unfortunately, this was a tough one, uh, and and Denver doesn't get to they, Denver has to and Denver fans have to feel the agony of defeat following this one. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. This this is a big time of year with the playoffs here. So if you can do me a huge favor, if you've enjoyed this show all year, um, do me a huge favor and share this one with your fellow Nuggets fans. Retweet them on Twitter, put them on Facebook, do whatever you do put, to put this podcast in front of other people because this is the time of year people are most tuned in to learn about the Denver Nuggets and you can help me grow this show by, by letting them know about it. Thanks so much, everybody. We will be back again on Monday with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.